It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, who's the best players in the NFL who aren't quarterbacks? I'll tell you now, because Helmets Off is on. Hey, folks. Welcome on in. It is Helmets Off. Uh, Scott Mitchell, your host here. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Got a great show, fun show, actually, because, you know, I'm a former quarterback, and we like to talk about quarterbacks. But today we're going to talk about the most important player in the NFC and the AFC who is not a quarterback. And then, of course, uh, football, college football is around the corner. I do the color commentating for the University of Utah, and uh, we'll talk about what that looks like this year for me. Fun stuff. So uh, hold on here, put your seatbelt on, and we're going to get it going. Uh, you know, uh, if you like us, go to Facebook at the Helmets Off Podcast, Twitter at the Helmets Off Show. And uh, any questions you want to ask, you just go for it. All right, here we go. Um, all right, so the question was was poised to me. Who is the most important player that's not a quarterback in the NFC? Clearly right now, the most important player is Tom Brady. Can Tom Brady continue the magic with Tampa Bay? Got everybody back. Uh, he still looks like he can play. He just has that it factor. He's, he's got everybody in Tampa Bay uh, believing that, uh, you know, they're going to win this, the Super Bowl. He's got everyone believing so much that, uh, you know, the, the hockey team ends up winning the Stanley Cup. I mean, that's the, that's the impact of Tom Brady. So here, uh, you know, as I thought about this, here's the player who I believe will have the most impact in the NFC who is not a quarterback. And to me, that player is actually Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is a beast. He is a problem. He is an amazing player. The Los Angeles Rams actually have a really good defense. You need defense to win champion, championships in the NFL. You've got to have some offense. You've got to be able to score points. But you need a defense. Tampa Bay, as great as they were offensively, were really, really good defensively. Kansas City was good defensively. Green Bay was good defensively. These teams that get to, you know, the late rounds of the playoffs, the championship games, and go to Super Bowls, they've got some semblance of defense. Defense is not at a premium in the NFL across the board right now, maybe as it has been in recent decades. It's all about quarterbacks. It's all about safety. It's all about wide receivers. It's all about open this bad boy up and let's see how many points we can score. And let's see uh, how many players we can get into their mid to late 40s playing in the NFL. That's the name of the game today. Running backs have become uh, irrelevant. So it's not, it's not a player like that. It's not really a wide receiver because you can, you can just find wide receivers all over the place. Here's why, to me, Aaron Donald is the most important player in the uh, NFC, maybe the whole NFL, who is not a quarterback. The reason, when you beat Tom Brady, you make Tom Brady move. And if you can, if you can make Tom Brady move without having to bring, uh, you know, linebacker pressure, 
where you just your up front folks can get after the O-line and get pressure and still be able to cover. Well, first of all, nobody can do well in that situation. You do that and you'll probably win a Super Bowl. If you remember back when the Patriots were undefeated and they're playing like a wild card New York Giants team, the Giants could get pressure on uh, Tom Brady in that perfect season, Tom Brady, maybe at his very best Tom Brady without sacrificing coverage. And that's the difference in that Super Bowl. That, that team was just unstoppable. I mean, they were so good. They were so explosive offensively. And, uh, and they, they basically got shut down. And they got shut down because, first of all, Tom Brady can't move uh, to save his life. You know, he can't escape out of a paper sack, as they say. And he can't, and he's he's learned how to throw, and it's 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 really miraculous. I'm, no one really talks about this except for me, but they should, because Tom Brady is basically in cement. I mean, I mean, I don't care what you say. He's forty five years old, or forty four, forty three, whatever it takes. He's old, and he can't move around. He couldn't move around to begin with, but he's so masterful at at knowing exactly what he's doing and at, at getting rid of the football and and at um, uh, just self-preservation. I remember Dan Marino always used to say, I don't have to be a hero. When I line up underneath center, I'm hero enough. I, I need to be able to live for the next play. So if you get pressure on Tom Brady, he is so less than average. Not, you know, because he's he's not a guy that's going to escape like a Russell Wilson and and make plays or some of these other, you know, mobile quarterbacks. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, Believe it or not, most of his young career, he was a mobile moving quarterback. Even though he's a big dude, he could move. Tom Brady cannot move. So why did I pick Aaron Donald? Because number one, Aaron Donald by himself cannot be blocked in pass defense. And he's a tackle, right? He's, a, he's like Warren Sapp. There's very few guys or a John Randall or some of these, some of these guys who are, are tackles that are just they are they are a problem and Aaron Donald is the biggest problem for offenses in in the NFL period he's that good the Rams have a great defense the Rams have a defense that can win a championship what have they changed I've always felt like Matthew Stafford was one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the NFL this guy can throw it he can throw it and if you get him in the right situation with some talent, with a defense, with a new look, watch out. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Matthew Stafford was the MVP of the league this year. Uh, he's, that, he's that good a talent. He just, he's just been in a really bad situation. And he's, he's done well. I mean, of course, he hadn't won playoff games, but shouldn't be defined because we win or lose playoff games. The guy's a talent. It's great. It's awesome. I believe the Los Angeles Rams can create that kind of pressure, play coverage, and they've got offense now enough to match the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because that's the team to beat. So hands down, it's an easy, easy selection, Aaron Donald. Now what happens is they go, well, we'll double team Aaron Donald. And that's exactly what you want because now, now you're giving stuff up. Now you're giving, you're, you're giving protection. You're, you're setting yourself up to be more vulnerable or to be less explosive. You got to keep more guys in to block. It, it doesn't give you enough guys out in a pattern. And what does that do? Well, 
then you can double team the lesser number of receivers and it becomes a real problem. And I believe, I believe the Los Angeles Rams are primed to be a team to contend with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for a Super Bowl from the NFC. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, we come back. Guess what? In the AFC, it ain't a defensive lineman that this is the most important player. And I'll tell you who it is when we come back. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Sports fans, welcome back. This is Helmets Off. Scott Mitchell here, your host, talking about the most important players in the NFC, AFC, who are not quarterbacks. Because let's face it, the world in the NFL revolves around quarterbacks, always has, and it always will, and it always should. And that's from someone who, well, I was a quarterback. What am I supposed to say? You got to believe in yourself, right? Uh, Yep, you do. So, here is from the AFC. Of course, we talked about the NFC, and I said Aaron Donald, who is a defensive uh, lineman for the uh, Los Angeles Rams, a beast of a player, cannot be blocked by himself. You, you really have to take care of and be concerned about Aaron Donald when you play the Rams. And that's what makes great players, because then it frees up other people. And I think the Rams have other people that can, can make plays and uh, really cause problems for teams. So... In the, in the AFC, you could argue, well, the same thing. Like, where's the defensive lineman uh, that, you know, is like uh, Aaron Donald in the AFC? And there are guys. I mean, uh, you know, Miles Garrett with the, actually with the uh, Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns are going to be a good team. The Cleveland Browns are going to go into the playoffs this year. I would, they're going they're to be a good football team this year. But it's not a defensive lineman. It's an offensive lineman. And quite frankly, it's not an offensive lineman. It's an offensive line. So the Kansas City Chiefs, of course, uh, uh, they went uh, got John Thune from the Patriots. They got uh, Kyle Long. Uh, they got center Austin Blythe in uh, free agency. Almost in immediately, they were like, they revamped their whole offensive line. And then they went and got uh, Orlando Brown uh, from uh, the um, – the Ravens uh, and, and drafted two guys in, in the, in the draft. So in the AFC, this is not a player. This is, this isn't a player. It's a unit. And really offensive lines play as one player. If they're playing very well, that's what they do. So uh, the, the, uh, the Kansas city chiefs, their offensive line is by far the most important player in AFC. 
Patrick Mahomes is really living up to being that generational player. He's amazing. Uh, he, he, his best years are ahead of him. But as you saw, and what I said about Aaron Donald, the offensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs last year, which was a patchwork, which was, you know, terrible, they actually sucked. <laughs> and had they not, then they would have been good. Or, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, they probably would have won the Super Bowl. Really. I mean, I mean, really. They, you know, it's funny. It was a defense a year, you know, two years earlier. They won the Super Bowl. Then it's the offensive line. And, you know, the, the, the Kansas City Chiefs kind of need to maybe get out in front of some of their weaknesses before, you know, they get exposed. But it was, it was what I was telling you in the other segment. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers could play coverage, get pressure on Patrick Mahomes, and he becomes less than average. And this guy is amazing. I mean, I mean, he may be the, you know, who knows? He may be better than uh, Tom Brady by the time this whole thing gets over with. He's so good. But he's not if you get that pressure on him. And anyone's that way. I mean, really, you could argue the most valuable player uh, on any team is maybe a defensive lineman. If you've got a guy that can create havoc that you have to double team to stop in the pat in the passing game, that guy is worth his weight in gold. That's why so many of these guys get drafted number one in the draft. It's quarterbacks and uh, defensive linemen. Are you know and and everyone's and then the other side of it is, if you've got that just stalwart left tackle, you know that's that's where you build an NFL team. Uh, is just you get that trifecta right there. And then the other parts, you can get some quality dudes, but aren't, you know, those, those are key, key positions. But this offensive line, if it does half the job, it doesn't have to be spectacular, but it's got to be pretty darn good. And they can be good. And if they're really good, Patrick Mahomes is like MVP. They're going to win the Super Bowl. They essentially, you know, have, you know, pretty much the same team back. And they're a hungry team. They, they want to win. But they've got to be able – they just got to be able to, uh, to block for Patrick Mahomes. And, and you don't have to block like you have to block for Tom Brady. So why didn't I, why didn't I, pick, why didn't I pick Tampa Bay's – why, why, why didn't I pick Tampa Bay's offensive line? Why didn't I pick Miles Garrett? And here, here's something I learned a long time ago. Um, the game – of football at any level is won and lost at the line of scrimmage always and if you want to watch a game and if you want to watch it early and see who's going to win just keep your eyes at the line of scrimmage and you're going to see whoever is moving forward that's the team that's going to win so if the defense is getting pressure and getting into uh the backfield uh then they're going to win and if the offensive line is just blowing them off the ball, as they say, offense is going to win. And I'm, I, the, only, the only, like, uh, mitigating factor, turnovers. You have a lot of turnovers, but you can overcome a lot of turnovers, but you cannot overcome poor line play on offense or defense. So as great as quarterbacks are, and I'm, I'm an advocate for quarterbacks, those defense and those offensive linemen are critical, critical, to the success uh, of any team. Hey, we're going to take a break. Uh, last segment, 
uh, we're going to talk a little bit about college football and uh, the University of Utah and what it looks like there. All right, folks, welcome back. It is KSL's uh, Helmets Off. Uh, I'm the host, Scott Mitchell, the final segment of the show. Uh, I do the color commentating at the University of Utah and cannot tell you how excited I am for the football season to start. A lot of people nervous about it, some of the COVID spikes and what have you. Uh, a lot of this is kind of a reactionary Delta virus. There's a lot of people who haven't been vaccinated. I really do not see the college football season being canceled or changed. Maybe there are people who are going to be wearing masks, but uh, I think people realized that shutting down the world was probably not the best move. Maybe, maybe from a scientific part, but from a socioeconomic, psychological standpoint, might have been a disaster. I've been vaccinated. I recommend people get vaccinated. Uh, it certainly is going to curtail this if you do. Uh, and, and so I just, I would just encourage you to do that. With that being said, I'm really excited about this college football season. And a lot of it is because when you go through last season and it was weird, like it was, it was really one of those bizarre dreams that you have and you just go, man, you're not going to believe the dream I had last night. And it it was just like that. It was like, there are no fans. Uh, they didn't have any non-conference games. They only played four. Shoot, they were on the uh, they were on the runway, loading the airplane when they got it, the information that they weren't going to be playing their first conference game, and they're on the bus headed to the airport the next week, finding out they're not going to play that game. So it, it's really kind of been a it was a tough season. University of Utah. Oh my goodness, they um are, have this expansion of the stadium, so there's dirt and there's cranes and there's you know cement forms and and uh you know barriers and all kinds of whatever but not a, a stadium and and it was really um taxing on the players to get ready every week and and all of the testing they had to go through so having gone through that we weren't able to travel with the team as a broadcast group uh, so we did our broadcast in the stadium with no fans, even when the team was on the road, and basically just watched a monitor, and that was that, which is fine. I mean, it's uh, it's it's okay, but really, it's it's not. Um, it just wasn't college football, and a few teams had some great seasons and had full schedules, but Utah played four or five games, and it was not, it was not a pleasant deal. Now this year. Uh, they're going to have a full season. And I loved last season in the sense that Utah was a young football team, a lot of young guys. And the only way to gain experience is get out playing games. So to get to play the games they did last year, set Utah up to have a really good year this year. The only only question mark is at quarterback. And I really believe Charlie Brewer is going to be an amazing quarterback for Utah this season. And 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 they're and they've got depth everywhere. They've got playmakers on offense. They've got playmakers on defense. They've got this really talented, probably the best talent they've had in the program since Kyle Whittingham has been in the Pac-12. 
and that and they they feel it this team this team is ready ready to uh, really make you know a splash and explosion when you're when you broadcast games and you you're you know you're with a team like i am i can't even begin to tell you how nice it is when the team's good <laughs> this is hard it's hard to have a positive attitude it's hard to you know to to say positive things when the team is bad you don't want to be negative but uh, you know, you got to point out kind of what's happening to to some degree, and and that's challenging. And so, when a team is good, and this is kind of an exciting thing, the last four years, you know, Utah has contended for and gone to the Pac-12 championship game, really two out of the last three. But they have the same feeling about this team. They believe they're going to contend, just like uh, you know, like in, you know, they're, they're, this is not a rebuilding, retooling year for for Utah. And I believe that most of it is because those young players got some game experience and got it against Pac-12 competition. So I, I, I'm just super excited. Hated last season, but was so thankful for it. Uh, one, just for the appreciation, but two, for the experience these young, these young players got. I love, I love when a program's kind of hit a stride where they – they, the expectation is to win championships. When you're, when you're not like just fighting for mediocrity, you're fighting to go to the, the, the championship game. And that's the focus and that's the direction. That's everything that goes on. Man, I'll tell you, that just gets exciting. That gets so exciting uh, to be a part of that. And, and you, uh, you really just, um, you know, you look forward to, to the games and and it's it's you know it's it's entertaining it captivates you and and it just it's just it's just fun when when the program and these these players you know just set a different bar and a different expectation so all right well uh we're gonna take a break now helmets off is now off thanks for tuning in um and if you have any comments you know of course share them with us if you have any questions we'll certainly answer your questions uh, again, Facebook at the Helmets Off Podcast, Twitter at the Helmets Off Show. Remember, we're powered by kslsports.com. You can go, uh, well, obviously, if you're listening to this, you've downloaded it. So uh, you figured it out because that's the only way you're going to know about it. Well, I'll tell you this, folks. Uh, we're out of here. And until then, uh, we'll see you then. Years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind 
only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.